hey there, this is Danny Sunshine Bauer from Better Leaders, Better Schools, and the School Leadership Series, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to episode 35 of the EdTech Bytes podcast. And in this episode, I chat with Sylvia Martinez to talk about her presentations at FETC and her book, Invent to Learn, Making, Tinkering, and Engineering in the Classroom. So let's get started. Welcome to the EdTech Bytes podcast, where we discuss EdTech and food, because as you know, great conversations happen when we break bread with great people. And now your host, and my dad, Gabriel Carrillo. Welcome everyone to another episode. To you new listeners who are listening, tuning in for the first time, thank you very much. Make yourself at home. You're going to enjoy it. To the loyal listeners, welcome back. I appreciate you. Appreciate you tuning in for another episode. Happy holidays. Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, New Year's, all that good stuff has passed. I hope you had a great 2018, and I hope you're off to an even better 2019. I know I am. Now, you guys didn't hear from me for about three weeks because I honestly, I just wanted to relax. I wanted to kind of get out of things and disconnect. And I'm back now. I'm stronger than ever. 2019 is going to be an even bigger year for the podcast. So make sure you subscribe and spread the word to the masses on social media about the EdTech Bytes podcast. Now, this is a part one of a two-part FETC presenter series. If you're attending FETC, check out these presenters and their sessions. The first one, obviously, episode 35, is Sylvia Martinez that you're tuned into right now. Speaking of FETC, if you are not registered but would like a discount because you're going to be going, make sure you use the promo code ETB when you register to receive 10% off of your registration for FETC. And while you're there, Check out my presentations on how to start a podcast and creating movies on Chromebooks with WeVideo. Also, guess who got accepted to present at ISTE in Philadelphia, baby? That's right, yours truly. I'm going to be doing a session on how to start a podcast at ISTE 2019 this summer in Philadelphia, so I'm really looking forward to that. Big shout out to everyone who I follow and follows me on social media who actually got accepted and got their badges. Big shout out to you guys. I can't wait to meet up with you guys in person over there. It'll be my first time. If you didn't get accepted, but you put in a uh, proposal, no worries. We've all been down that road. I've I've actually been rejected more times than I have been accepted. So it's all a part of the process. We'll see you guys in Philly for those of you who are actually presenting and attending. And if you haven't checked out my Spotify playlist, the EdTech Bytes work playlist, check it out. Tune in, subscribe to it. It's just some smooth instrumentals, some jazz, hip-hop inspired beats to kind of chill at work, kind of catch a vibe and focus on what you're doing. So check that out. It's called EdTech Bytes Work Playlist on Spotify. Those of you who want to connect with me on social media, the website is edtechbytes.com. Twitter handle and Instagram handle are at edtechbytes. If you're on Facebook, like the rest of the world, check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash edtechbytes. 
And if you'd like to help support the EdTechBytes podcast, you can always do so by going to patreon.com slash edtechbytes and doing either a one, three, or $5 per month subscription to help support the creation of great content like this. Now, let's get into the episode and discuss tinkering, STEM, and creativity in the classroom with Sylvia Martinez. Check it out. But before we do that, as an added bonus, I'll be giving away a physical copy of Sylvia's latest book, Invent to Learn, Making, Tinkering, and Engineering in the Classroom, to a lucky listener. Thank you, Sylvia, for doing this for us. To enter, all you have to do is send a tweet about the podcast episode with the hashtag EdTechBytes, and make sure you tag both Sylvia and myself. At the end of the month, I'll randomly choose a winner and send them a copy of the book. So make sure you do that and get that free copy of her book. And now let's get into the episode. Hi, I'm Sylvia Martinez. I'm co-author of Invent to Learn, Making, Tinkering, and Engineering in the Classroom. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast here. Now, Sylvia, I'm going to get right into it. Let's, let's get right into your book. When did you decide to write this book? So th- the book started um, when my co-author Gary Steger and I started to notice this thing called the maker movement. And the maker movement is, is a global revolution that's happening right now. It's about people taking back their own lives, solving their own problems, and sharing those ideas, problems, and solutions with other people all over the world. And being able to make things immediately um, to, to, try, to test out their ideas, like using small microcontrollers, 3D printing prototypes of their ideas, and um, you know sharing these with other people. And we really thought about the fact that this is something that we want for kids in the classroom. So we decided to write the book as a bridge between the maker movement, which really wasn't paying a lot of attention to education, and um, educators who may not have ever heard of this thing. And in the years since, it's become much more prevalent in classrooms. A lot more teachers have been introduced to it. And we really think that the idea that kids can do authentic, meaningful things that are that are important to them is what education is all about. That's a very that's a big statement there, and that's one that I don't think many people um, really buy into right now. They're so worried about standardized testing and this and that, but that bringing back that back into the classroom is huge. And um, so you you co-wrote this book, right? And yes, you have the word tinkering in the title. Yes, that's kind of a buzzword right now going on in education like like you mentioned you know you're bringing it back to the classroom and you're bringing that you're you're using that to bridge but there's this big makerspace movement right now Mm -hmm. and you know makerspaces they've i guess they've been around forever they just finally now have a term slapped on it tell us kind of like your background with tinkering and you know makerspaces and things like that uh at least from your perspective where you come from well, my originally my my undergraduate degree is in electrical engineering, and um, I worked in aerospace for a decade. And I, I can tell you that um, real engineering and real scientists tinker a lot, and a lot of that is lost when it goes to school. Tinkering is something that is it's not just you know the lonely guy in the basement, you know, uh, socially isolated working on something that no one else cares about. Tinkering is often done um, in, 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 by engineers and scientists. In fact, 
it's the way that a lot of engineering happens. I mean, you know, every story in science is about the mistake that turned into some great invention and people were sitting around talking and all of a sudden someone said, hey, let's try this. That's the way science really works. And we've kind of taken that surprise and that, that uh, you know, the, the unknowns out of school science. So when I started to work in education, one of my, my you know, missions was to try and get school science to look more like what real scientists do. Nice. So you're, you're, you want to make sure that those two mirror each other. That way, when the kids leave the school setting to go to uh, aeronautical engineering or whatever it is they're, they're going to do in quote unquote, the real world, it mimics what really happened in school, right? Well, that and more. I think that it's not just about jobs. It's not just about the, the, the kids. You know, there's always there's, there's definitely kids who are going to get those, you know, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math. They're going to go get those STEM jobs. But tinkering is a way to think about the world and do things in the world that is uh, useful if you're doing art, if you're doing history. You want to think about things in slightly different ways. You want to think about the what ifs and the what could have happened, you know, in the past, and how can I change things? It's the writing process. You know, you you change a comma, you change a word, you tinker, you move a paragraph. You, I think that the idea that science and math is way over on one end of the spectrum, and all the humanities are way over on the other, and you know, the, some people like this one, and other people like that one, and they're very different. That's so wrong. Interesting. You have a very big point that we tinker all the time. It doesn't always have to be science and, you know, makerspaces, but moving commas and doing things like that is literally a form of tinkering. It's just in a different discipline, mm -hmm. right? I, I definitely think the word has gotten a bad rap. I think that tinkering towards a goal is, is part of the engineering process. It's part of the writing process. Um, the goal is important. You, of course, in school, you don't want kids to just aimlessly, you know, just sort of churn. You want them to move towards a goal, and that's where the teacher comes in. I think that's something that's misunderstood about the maker movement in schools, is that teachers just sort of dump a bunch of cool stuff on a table and step back and throw up their hands and say, let the magic happen. And that's not at all what we talk about in the book. There's a very... Uh, well understood history of how teachers create learning environments that support project-based learning and authentic, uh, authentic learning. Nice. Uh, that's a very powerful term, authentic learning, learning with a purpose, right? Mm -hmm. Now you're going to be presenting at FETC next month, right? Yes. I'm looking forward to it. Orlando in January. I know. Who doesn't want to be in Orlando? <laughs> I'll tell you who else will be there. I will be there as well. I'm presenting awesome. a couple of sessions and obviously this, this episode is going to be kind of a FET based and mm -hmm. kind of orient around uh, building a little buzz before, before we, before it goes down in Florida on the 25th of January, 2019. Now for those people who are listening, who are planning on attending FETC, Tell us about your sessions. Well, my sessions are about uh, STEM and STEAM in the classroom. I have a workshop, I think that's a little longer, uh, about prompts and challenges, which are a way to look at lesson, lesson planning that really 
supports the kind of makerspace idea where you're not so much, you know, creating an entire lesson plan, but you're throwing out a prompt for kids to respond to using the tools and ideas and, you know, the math and science they've been learning uh, to solve those, those challenges. Is this your first time presenting at FETC? I have been presenting at FETC for about four years in a row now. They've asked me to be a featured speaker, I, and I'm very appreciative of that. Um, I think the, 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 the audience at FETC is amazing, really varied. They come from all over the world to see, you know, the, the latest and greatest. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to be coming back once more. Yeah, that's that's great. Four years. That's pretty sweet. I presented there a couple of years ago, missed a couple, and then I'll be, I'm coming back this year. Now, you got another session going on as well, right? Not just that STEM one? Yes, I have. I have one called the Steam Powered Classroom, uh, which is, you know, what you can do in your classroom today to bring these makerspace kind of ideas to support uh, making across the curriculum. And I also have one uh, that I really like doing called Steam to the Future, where I look at the next 50 years. Like, we oh, think 3D, wow. 3D printers are amazing. You cannot believe what's happening next. Robotics and AI and, you know, 3D printers have just gotten started. We've really just scratched the surface of what you can create with with um, hardware and software. And so, you know, this that's a fun one for me to do. Wow. And you've done this one before? Yes, I did it at uh, ISTE and I've done it um, in New Zealand. So, Oh, you poor was, thing. Uh, you got to go to New yeah, Zealand I know. as well. It's really tough. <laughs> Man. All right. So when I was reading, I saw the words GPS and aeronautical <laughs> science in your bio and you're about the author. Am I yes. out of league when I say that you helped invent gps a little out of league okay all right because i did not invent it okay um, i i just i saw it and i was like <laughs> did she is she the queen of gps did so, she okay so t talk to us about the term <laughs> gps and your about the author section so gps stands for global positioning system and we all have one on our phone now. We, 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 I don't know. I can't remember what I did before the, the GPS navigation system, you know, helped us know where we are in the world. Um, and my first job out of college was working on the prototypes when, uh, of the satellite navigation system when they were first launching the satellites. Okay. So right now the world is covered by GPS satellites, but back then, there were only four of them, so you had to wait until they came overhead. So we would get up at like three in the morning when the satellites were all going to be in sight and we would test our receivers and they wouldn't work. And then the satellites would set and we'd have to go back to the drawing board and say, And you'd have to wait happened? until it came and back? we'd have to wait. Oh right, we'd have God. to wait until they came back. Yeah. What? So it was, you know, and it, it's the exact thing I was talking about. We did not have a... Uh, a you know, a five point plan of how we were going to make this happen. So very smart people had invented the system, including people like Hedy Lamarr. Do you know that name? No, I, I can't she say that a, I do. She was a movie actress in the forties, very glamorous. Turns out she was a secret genius and she invented some of the mathematics behind the GPS today called spread spectrum technology. She also invented things that helped the United States win world war two, like 
radar technologies. This is crazy story. Um, and so when I took this job, it was like, this is this crazy history of, you know, of science where people just go out on a limb and try things. And they told us when they hired, when, when I took the job, they were like, we're not sure this is going to work. The math is just a theory. The hardware doesn't, isn't fast enough. The software hasn't been written. The computer we're going to write the software for doesn't exist yet. But we're going to try anyway. Do you want to be on the team? I was like, yeah. You know, and thank goodness for the blind optimism of youth. I had no idea what I was doing. But, you know, I, I was ready to pitch in and try something that had never been done before. And I think kids get excited by those opportunities to to jump into something that isn't quite as perfect as we all hope you know things are and that's how you invent the future tinkering mm, you guys exactly. had to do a lot of tinkering right oh my god i mean literally things sometimes went up in smoke it was like we would go to we would it was very very much of a lab environment and we were you know trying to make hardware work and the same time the software work and it was like it wasn't all clean and we're going to, you know, tweak one variable kind of scientific method stuff. Um, it was just, you sort of flat out tried everything at once and then eventually it, it worked, started to work. You know, that, you make it better. Exactly. And that's one thing I, I'd, I'd like to bring up. It's one of those aha moments that I got out of what you're saying right now is, you know, a lot, a lot of the new generation, you know, I think of my kids all the time whenever I have a, a discussion like this and one of the things that I don't think this generation knows and has learned to do is fail. <laughs> what to do when you fail, when you have put time and effort into something and it doesn't go your way or it literally goes up in smoke like you just mentioned, a lot of times there's a tendency to throw your hands up and say, it didn't work. And then there's a level of frustration but they don't know how to dust themselves off, get up back on your feet and try it again. So I, I hate painting a whole generation with a broad brush because I see lots of kids in the workshops we do and the schools we go to working really hard at things that they care about. And I think that's the point is when you care about something, you will show persistence towards reaching that goal. Now, sometimes, yeah, I think schools in particular have taught kids that the, the first thing to do when, when you run into a problem is ask the teacher, you know, yeah. and so you get a room full of kids going, I can't, I won't, it won't, blah, yeah, blah, blah, exactly. you know, and it's like, well, we've taught them that. We've taught them to wait for the next, for the 10-step paper that we're, you know, we're going to hand out. We've taught them to not try things. We've taught them that if we catch them doing something wrong, they're going to get a bad grade. We ring a bell and we expect them to drop everything they're doing and move on to the next thing. And then we complain <laughs> when they're not persistent. So I think part of this, we have to shoulder some of the responsibility and say, we're going to change classrooms so that kids are rewarded for persistence. And they're rewarded by, by working on projects that they care about for longer periods of time. And that means maybe that not all kids are doing the same thing. And we have to be able to handle that. You mean differentiate? Oh, big word. <laughs> yeah. How can people connect with you via social media or your website? How can they connect with you if they want to, you know, follow up a little bit on what you're doing and possibly take a look at your book? So the book has its own website, inventtolearn.com. 
and uh, they can reach me on Twitter. I'm S. Martinez on Twitter. Um, I'm on, there are links on the website to click on and, and uh, find out more. There's also a lot of the resources that we used in the book and that are mentioned in the book. We have shopping lists. There are handouts uh, for the workshops we do. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things are available online. I do have a big announcement. Um, and that is that we are releasing the second edition of Invent to Learn, and I will have them at FETC. Whoa! So if people want to see a, we have completely revised and updated it. Like every page, it's got a whole chapter of new stuff about laser cutting, and you know, the maker movement has has changed a lot in the past couple of years. So. We've got, we have revised and expanded Invent to Learn, and it's going to be published in January, and I will have copies at FETC. That is awesome. That is pretty cool. Now, We're very excited about that. You're in California, right? Yes. Where in California, if you don't mind me asking? Los Angeles. Los Angeles. All right. Now, if you've listened to the show before, you'll know that it's about educational technology and food. So Yes, the food scene in California. Talk to us. Cause I'm born and raised in San Diego and oh, really? yeah. Oh yeah. And we moved out to Arizona and then after 11 years moved here to Texas. So we're just kind of slowly mm. making our way East, but yeah. um, you <laughs> know, there's, slowly. there's something about that California cuisine that just, you can't find anywhere else, but California. Well, I think the world finds its way to California. And some of the most interesting things that are happening in Los Angeles food-wise are the, are the fusions. You know, the, the Filipino food is like becoming the thing. Everywhere you go, um, there's Korean-Mexican uh, fusions. Like every taco truck is serving it's tacos with kimchi now. It's, it's crazy. Ooh. Oh yeah, you, uh, if you have delicious. you have to come back. You have to come back and go to the Korean taco trucks. They're amazing. Um, hot chicken is a thing that came from Nashville. Nashville so hot chicken. That's right. There's like two, three hour waits at some of the most popular places. Wow, wow. Yeah. Now, okay, today's Friday. Mm -hmm. At least we're recording this on the Friday. You guys might be listening it to, uh, to listen to it. You know, anytime on a Sunday, whatever, on your morning walk. But it's Friday evening, long day at work. Where are you going to go in Los Angeles to, to dine, to eat? Oh, gosh. There's, oh, I can't even start. There's so many places. Um, oh, how, about I, how about you, I do this? How about I'll I do this? I'll tell you about one. I'll tell you about okay, one. Okay, go for it. Go for it. So there's a place called Dantana's. Have you ever heard of Dantana's? Dantana. Dantana's. No, no I have not. So... This is a place up in Hollywood. It's like got red leather booths. You'll see like minor celebrities hanging out there. There's always, you know, starlets at the bar trying to figure out like who's a producer and who's just, you know, an old guy in a member's only jacket. <laughs> you know, He's the last member, obviously. Steaks, yeah. You know, they'll do table side Caesar salads. It's just like you feel like you've actually like touched Hollywood for a half a second. And then and then you go home. Wow. I got to check yeah. that place out. Right on, it's right in the, on the strip. It's next to the Troubadour. It's next to West, West Hollywood. It's, it's a fantastic place. That's pretty cool. Now let's, let's flip the script a little bit. You want to go for pizza. Boom. Where do you go? Oh gosh. Uh, 
That's a really good question. There's uh, I, I, uh, New York, <laughs> New Jersey. Uh huh. New York and New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. you, you go to you go to um, LAX, right? And then you fly <laughs> to New York and New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's worth it. It's yeah. worth it. I've I've heard that from many people that it's you just can't find good pizza. And, uh, I'm sure there is. It's just, you know, when you kind of like get used to certain things. It, yeah, exactly. It's, it's, and there's yeah. so many different variants of pizza. You know, you have your Chicago deep dish, which mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm not a fan of, you know, and you have your New York and then you have. It's a lot. I think you have to be committed. You have to be like really, really, really want, want the pizza to, to go deep dish. Yeah. You have to not have anything on your agenda for the next 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> It's ridiculous. Your body just shuts down. It doesn't know what to do after that. Yeah. All right. So, um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to your taco truck question. You're, mm-hmm. you're at a taco shop. Uh, you know what? I'm going to back up. Um, mm. I, I like, I like that you brought up the, the food fusion. That's one of the mm-hmm. things that, um, it reminds me of, uh, my mother and my brother, they would always, uh, we, we hit a couple of different spots in Palm Springs when he used to live there that were Asian fusion, Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them were uh, Polynesian and uh, gosh, it was Polynesian and like Chilean or something. It was too, it, yeah, it was ridiculous. But the sauces, the, the pungent, sweet, different sauces, it just, it blew my mind. It was really good. And it's, it's that, that fusion is really kind of where cuisine is now and where it's going to keep going in the future. Um, but there's a place, if you're ever in San Antonio, um, mm-hmm. And I am in no way endorsed by this restaurant. So if you're listening, uh, I am not affiliated with this restaurant at all. But it's called Boutique, B-O-T-I-K. And it's Peruvian oh. and, oh gosh, I want to say Japanese. But, oh man, oh. they're dumplings, they're sushi, they're... Uh, I, I, I had a meal, you know, my wife and I went and it was it was a pretty penny, but... Gosh, was it worth it? Okay, so I'll put you on the spot. What's your favorite barbecue place in Texas? In Texas? Oh, man. You know, I'm supposed to be interviewing you. You're not supposed to be. <laughs> um, barbecue, that's a really good question. Um, that's like, uh, yeah, you could have like wars over barbecue. Right oh, now. yeah, people. That's, you know, that's road rage. Nine out of ten, mm-hmm. nine out of ten fights in Texas are over barbecue. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um you know, I haven't tried a whole lot of barbecue places here with the family, but there's one that is, and, and I know people are going to chastise me and they're going to probably critique me, but there's a place here called Rudy's Barbecue and it's actually a chain mm. and it's... Oh, I like that. Yeah, they're great. You've had they're it before. Great. Absolutely. The, I, we were blown away. We were driving to Austin. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lazy Saturday, and we just kind of got in the car and took off. And we didn't go through the highway. We went kind of on some back roads and towards Austin. And the kids got hungry, and we got hungry. So we said, you know what, let's hit a... And, you know, it's one of those debates in the car. Well, I want this. Well, I don't want Mexican. Mm-hmm. I want that. And finally, we were like, what if we just go get barbecue? Whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we found the closest place that happened to be Rudy's. And we were like, I, I was a little disappointed. Like, we can get Rudy's in San Antonio. We can get it anywhere. Right. I, like, I wanted to try something different. But it was close and we were all hungry. We were blown away. Mm-hmm. Their cream corn. Oh, mm-hmm. my gosh. We got cream <laughs> yep. corn. We got brisket. We got, my wife got pulled pork. Um, 
my son had like the half chicken mm. and had half chicken. You know, he literally ate half, the entire half of the chicken. <laughs> um, it, we just got a little bit of everything. And, you know, of course, they, they, they throw on, you know, a good 10, 12 servings of uh, white bread into the mix. Mm-hmm. With It was just really good. And we were just blown away. And the prices weren't too bad either. So I'm going to have to go with Rudy's on that one. I think that's a family-friendly choice you've made there. Yeah. And it happened to be one that had like, it, it had like a huge green belt in the back and the kids were running around playing and that. And, uh, you know, we did some, ra- <laughs> we kind of tried to work in the calories off. We did some re- <laughs> relay races in the back and that, but it was just, it was, it was really good. And it, it was not what I was expecting. I was expecting to taste like chain barbecue, mm-hmm. which isn't mm-hmm. bad, but it's not, you know, there are these little hole in the walls that are just mind blowing. But this one was right up there, if not better. No, I, I seriously have some little sauce packets in my refrigerator right now <laughs> that, I, that I brought home <laughs> for the last time. And you do there. a lot of traveling, right? This year has been a little crazy. So I've, I've been very happy to be home uh, for six whole weeks. So wow. for, FETC is my first trip for 2019. So Oh, so you get the first 24 days of January at home. Yep. That's nice. Yep. Very that excited. Pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Now I'm going to go back to my question that I started a little while ago. You're at a taco truck. You're <laughs> getting, you're getting some tacos or whatever. Mm-hmm. Corn or flour tortilla? Corn. There we go. That's what I want to hear right there. It's all about <laughs> that corn, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. There's there are places, like- there are places for both, but yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know the last time you did when you come to Texas, do you experience like the tacos here? Um, I can't say that I have recently, but I mean, yeah, sure. Okay. So in a nutshell, any listeners out there, if you've never been to Texas, you know, tacos are big here. However, with coming from California, by definition, a taco is in a corn tortilla. Mm -hmm. If you put it in a flour tortilla, you just made a burrito. Um, and here in Texas, everything is flour tortillas, but they're mm-hmm. thick. They're not as big as like the, mm-hmm. the California ones, you know, the 10 mm-hmm. inch diameter or whatever. They're smaller and they're thicker. And mm-hmm. that's what they use. And they're good. Don't get me wrong. But there's nothing like a corn tortilla. <laughs> I think it's, you know, it's the region of Mexico and Central America. That exactly. You come from. There's, mm-hmm. there's different... People make them different sizes and different, you know, thicknesses, and they're for different things. And absolutely, know, yeah. Which I, goes I to think, show that you I know, don't even know if burrito is actually really Mexican. No, I it is not. Pretty much, it's everything's a taco. Anything yeah. wrapped in tortilla is a taco. Yeah, yeah. It, it's same like with fajitas. Fajitas don't exist in Mexico. You yeah, know, that's that's blast. Well, I think half of half of American, like Italian American cuisine, doesn't exist in Italy. They don't. They don't do a lot of stuff that we yeah. think is normal. Yeah. A lot of kids will be uh, disappointed to fly to Italy with their parents and realize that mac and cheese is not Italian. <laughs> yeah. All right. So 30 seconds. Yes. Plug your sessions at FETC and anything else that you'd like to throw out there to the listeners. So um, FETC is going to be great. I would love to see people at, at sessions. And if you do, come and say hello. 
Um, I love meeting people and talking to, to, to people about, you know, what's going on in their classroom. I think that STEM and STEAM are deeply connected to the maker movement, and we can talk about all of the kinds of things that are possible in classrooms today to bring in these ideas about kids having real experiences with modern tools and technology to learn the things we've always wanted, we've always wanted them to know. That was exactly 30 seconds. I like that. You're good. Awesome. <laughs> you are good. A lot of tinkering with that. All right, cool. So make sure that you check out Sylvia at FETC uh, January something. We don't recall the dates right off the top of your head, but when you get there to FETC, make sure you take a look at the agenda, take a look at the workshops, and you're a featured speaker. Um, and not only will you be doing a concurrent session, but you're also doing a workshop, right? The hands, yes, it hands is on Wednesday one. morning, the 30th. I've Wednesday the 30th. Pretty cool. Nice. I'll be able to, I'll meet you, I'll I will make it a point to meet you in person and you're going to have the second edition of your book published there and ready to go. Right. Yes. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, uh, Sylvia. I appreciate you connecting with me and I look forward to meeting you at FETC. I look forward to meeting you, Gabriel. Thanks. Thanks a lot. No problem. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me in episode 35. A special thank you to Sylvia Martinez for chatting with me. I look forward to meeting you in person at FETC in Orlando, Florida later this month and getting a copy of your book while I'm there. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, get notified every time a new episode is published, and don't forget to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever you happen to get your podcast from. Don't forget to connect with me on social media. Search for at EdTechBytes and also check out the website EdTechBytes.com. And lastly, don't forget about that giveaway. Sylvia was gracious enough to give us a copy of her book and we are going to give it away here at the podcast. Remember, all you have to do is send a tweet with the hashtag EdTechBytes about the episode and make sure you tag both Sylvia and myself. This is Gabriel Creo signing off and don't forget that great conversations happen when we break bread with great people. The EdTech Bytes Podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more, go to edupodcastnetwork.com.